When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have our week in review, and what a week it is, and what a day it is. Those crypto prices, that's coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everyone. Friday, January 21st, 2022. A couple quick announcements. Please, Decrypt has a new podcast. It's called GM. We're good morning. You know, like the crypto slang, GM. It is editor-in-chief Dan Roberts and executive editor Jeff John Roberts talking to some of the biggest people in the crypto space. Their first episode came out just a couple days ago. It was with SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO of FTX. And I thought it was a great interview. I thought it was a great conversation. So if you want more long-form interviews and podcasts, please subscribe to Decrypt's GM podcast. Also, we are at 223 reviews on Spotify and about 110 on iTunes. So please go to iTunes Podcast, like, subscribe, and share, and leave us a comment. And also, if you are a Spotify listener, we have, I think, around eh, 10,000 listeners on Spotify. So if you are one of those listeners, we have 222 or 223 that have rated us, please, or at least in the U.S. market, please go to Spotify, open up the app on your mobile, and go to the top left corner, hit the five stars. It helps us stay visible and helps people know that this is the best damn crypto news show in the industry. Now, if you're prone to depression, maybe now's a good time to skip forward a little bit because we're going to get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11.17 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $38,770. It is down 10.3% in 24 hours. Yesterday, I woke up and we were heading toward 43000 And I was like, this is it. We're going to go up now. And by the end of the day, we went down thousands of dollars. My friends started texting, what the hell is going on? I have no answers for you. We're going to try to explain some of this in our week in review. However, this is extremely frustrating. Ethereum's in the number two spot at $2,830, down 12.9%. Tether is in number three at a dollar. Should have put all my money into that. Binance is at 421, down 10.8%. USDC is in number five. Running off the top 10, Cardano, Solana, XRP, Luna, and Polkadot. Total market cap, we're at 1.81 trillion, a BTC dominance of 40.4 and an F dominance of 18.6. And it's Friday, we have a long episode today, so we're not doing coin of the day. I'm going to get into this week in review with Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts. Dan Roberts, this is an amazing, amazing morning, sir. I woke up and I saw a 10% in the total market. Bitcoin's down 11%. I don't know what is going on. Um, can you talk to us and give us some, I don't know, some direction, some ideas to what is happening? Well, I wish that I could 
reveal precisely what's going on, but you're right. It's amazing. I mean, amazing in the uh, non-positive sense of the word. It is remarkable the start that crypto markets have had to the year. I mean, when, when we had that terrible first week, you know, I kept thinking, okay, it's a little bit of a, you know, New Year's hangover slump and then things will go back up, but it just kind of keeps getting worse. Although it's happened in steps, right? Like big drop, plateau, kind of just a nothing much happening, then another drop. I mean, so you do wonder what the bottom is here. I think a lot of people thought 40,000 would be the bottom, but you know, then you get down to 37, 38. I think it's a few things. First of all, one really interesting stat is for years, people love to debate, uh, is Bitcoin correlated to stocks? You know, are the crypto markets uh, connected to equities? And at times, the answer to that has been, it sure looks like no. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it looks like yes. Mm -hmm. But recently, and we ran a piece on this at Decrypt, um, the S&P and the crypto market has been more correlated than it's been in like more than three years, I think. Right. The most correlated they've been in, in years and years. And so I think it is relevant to point out that stocks are getting uh, slammed as well, especially tech stocks for the last right. few weeks. So people can point to the Fed, the Fed making clear that it wants to take much stronger actions to you know, curb inflation. And that's certainly contributing. But the reason I think that can't be the only thing is that you know, if you're saying that it's all because of the Fed trying to curb inflation, then you must also think that, you know, obviously people see Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation, but it hasn't always been and it hasn't always behaved that way. And there are people, I think, who believe in Bitcoin and invest in crypto. And that's not the main reason they do it. They're not seeing it as, oh, when inflation goes up or when there's, you know, problems with the macro economy, that's when I load up on crypto. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not always the case. So I don't think it can just be that. I also think you have to mention COVID and there's been Omicron and that hurts the markets. And I think there's a lot of uh, confusion and uncertainty, not just about where COVID actually stands in terms of the different strains, but about where we are in the kind of COVID economy recovery. Mm -hmm. So really interesting to look at what's happening with Peloton. Mm. Peloton uh, yesterday tanked. Now, again, right. a lot of these tech stocks are getting hit hard, you know, as we chat this morning on Friday, uh, Netflix opening way down, more than 20% down. But Peloton got just slammed yesterday. And it's because the company came out and said, we're going to significantly reduce our production because we're seeing a, a, a wane in demand. Right. And it's like, oh, God, you never want to hear that, a wane in demand. And I think that's connected to COVID because Peloton, along with some of those tech stocks like Zoom, is what was one of the stay-at-home names they were called at the beginning of the pandemic, which was companies seeing a huge surge in demand because people were staying at home. They weren't going to the gym. So ergo, if Peloton is seeing a wane in demand, you would think that that might mean that people are returning to gyms. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, maybe it doesn't relate to COVID. And it just means that everyone who wants a Peloton already bought one. But if Peloton is seeing a wane in demand, you would think that maybe that's an encouraging sign about people leaving their homes and the pandemic ending. Well, but Omicron, meanwhile, so I just think there's a lot of conflicting data points when it comes to the pandemic. I mean, we're coming up on two years here since the beginning of this thing. So it's like, are we at the end of it or is it here forever? And every winter there will be a surge and we have to get used to new strains. And so I think the stock market is trying to deal with that. And then the crypto market is also trying to deal with that. 
you know, I think you bring up some really good points. And uh, I just want to you know, expand on that a little bit. Uh, first, with Peloton, you know, if you go on Facebook Marketplace, you'll see that there's a huge secondary market for Pelotons. People bought Pelotons and now they're offing Pelotons. So if you're going to buy a Peloton, you're probably going to, you know, try to get it on the cheap because they're not a, they're not cheap uh, uh Items. They are very pricey oh. items for upper middle class people who want to yes. bike in their basement. Um, Not and- to mention that then you have to subscribe to the classes. I mean, you pay yep. for the bike and then you have to sign up for a monthly thing. So it's quite a commitment. So I think it was it was just an oversaturated oversaturation of that market to begin with, and now it's trying to even it out, and you know, and people are just off in their other things. But I think that another thing with the price and whatever is happening, I think you're spot on. You know, um, even since November when we had had our peak, November 10th, in the stock market as well, people are saying that they're moving from growth to value stocks, and this is some of the richest, you know, most uh, savvy investors because of the yeah. uncertainty coming over into the end of uh, you know Q4 and into Q1, and then with COVID, I think COVID is one of those things that are like, are we actually, I think people are getting frustrated with COVID more than it's COVID is actually affecting people. But now that we have this more global uncertainty, we have China showing slower growth. We have, you know, Chinese companies that are, are defaulting on loans. We have Ukraine. We have these different events that are happening globally. I think it's just, it's just a compounding effect of you know, we have uncertainty in the markets. We have a natural correction that has happened because of the Fed's reducing rates and the liquidity is coming out of the markets. Then we have these other events and then we have COVID. Everybody's just like, I don't even know what's happening anymore in the, in the world. What is going on? Yeah, a lot of uncertainty and the markets hate uncertainty. You know, there's also always a little bit of profit taking. Like, you know, when crypto gets to a certain point, it's always like, we're going up, we're going up, we're going up. And then you wonder, right. I think there's some people who say, okay, I think this feels like a level where I've made a bunch and I'll get out for now or oh, yeah. I'll dump you, this and, and come back later. Oh yeah. You can see the sell wall. Well, it's all usually at a round number, 50,000, 60,000, you know, whatever. And it's just like, or 69,000, you have those sell walls that you run up against and then you just have a massive sell-off uh, throughout throughout the markets. And it, it is a very interesting um it is definitely a very interesting cycle that we're in. I personally, and I'm not predicting the future, anybody, this is not financial advice. I don't think this bull is over. It just didn't uh, behave the way that it did before. I think that everybody's expecting this to be a bear market across all markets. And I think that everybody, because they're expecting it to be a bear market, everybody's just holding on, on the cash and there's cash out there ready to move in. I don't, this is, does not seem like a recession or a depression kind of event because when 2008 happened, 2000. 2000 and 2008 happened. It was a quick sell-off. You were done. Nobody, everybody yeah. was liquidated. This is more of a conscious choice for people are making in the market. What do you think? Yeah, I think a lot of people aren't quite sure where to put their money back in. And a lot of people did so well for the first year of the pandemic. I mean, you know, remember we saw that seep drop and then like everything bounced back so swiftly. And there were certain people of a certain age bracket who dumped all their stocks in March 2020 because they were freaking out. And it's like, gosh, if they had waited just two weeks, I mean, the rebound was insane. And of course, that era benefited crypto and young crypto investors who suddenly looked rich because, oh my God, all their bags went up. Everything went up, up, up for most of 2020 and 2021. And so again, I think you had some profit taking. I think now it's like, where do I put it back into the market? Is it into like pharma, especially as COVID sticks around? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are like the only names that have just been up only, you know, right. Moderna, Pfizer, those guys. But it looks like maybe it's not the time to do these, as you said, these high growth tech names that people used to love. I mean, there there was going to be a reckoning always for things like Netflix and Tesla 
but if you are a you know a Musk cult believer, then you stick with Tesla. But I think yeah, you know, it's like you said: are people going back to value? Are they going to go to more uh, traditional names that have been around forever? Maybe it's not the time to put into uh, newer tech names. I mean, look, some of the things that IPO'd in the last year are just getting slammed, like Robinhood, Coinbase, I think not for Backed. crypto reasons, Square, <laughs> some of the sports betting names. I mean, every day I get alerts and it's like DraftKings, 52-week low, Penn Gaming, 52-week low. It's wild. It is wild. And this is a really good uh, transition into, and one thing I want to say last about this is we want, wanted institutional money to come into the space so bad. 2017, everybody was talking about institutional yeah. investors. And now we're saying, oh, it's correlated. So it's it's like almost like we asked for the thing that we didn't want to happen. Yes. This is not we a care for what you wish for. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So you have Tesla buying Bitcoin. You have these, uh, you know, tech companies that are, you know, invested in Bitcoin or moving into the crypto space industry in one way or the other. And then when it's correlated with these tech stocks, we're just like, oh yep. my god, I thought this was a hedge against uh, inflation. And which I think this is a good way to talk. Start talking about NFTs and Twitter right now, which is yeah. a, another move of a huge tech company embracing crypto in a different way. Well, can, can you tell us about that? Well, and it's a huge tech company that for years, I have always thought, I can't believe it doesn't grow more in terms of users and in terms of the stock. I mean, it's a company that I think, you know, both of us and most journalists would say it's a great product. I mean, I, I use it every 10 minutes, all day, every day, you know, it's like. I just checked it now, just, actually. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I think that you could blame Jack Dorsey if you want, or maybe it's something about just the nature of people. I don't know, but. I have just been shocked that Twitter has grown so slowly in terms of user base. I mean, still to this day, like I barely use Facebook. I think the user experience on Facebook sucks. It's junky yep. and noisy and crowded. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, it's 2 billion users versus like 350 million. And so Twitter shareholders have been unhappy for years and years. And so this ties back to what you were just saying, saying that a company like Twitter going into crypto, maybe, you know, crypto people like it and they say this is good for us. But so far, it doesn't look like Twitter shareholders like it, you know, and same with Dorsey's other company, uh, Square renamed Block. You know, that company going bigger on crypto has not been good to the stock at all. And when they rebranded, uh, the stock dived and same with Facebook rebranding to Meta, the stock took a dive. So all that being said, the NFT feature that Twitter is now rolling out, I think it's really cool and exciting for crypto people who already believe in NFTs. And I think it has the potential to be the tipping point where NFTs go mainstream. But so far, it doesn't seem to me like it's very beneficial for Twitter stock. And of course, you can't blame Twitter for, at first, launching this NFT verification profile picture feature as a Twitter blue only feature. And yet crypto and NFT people are angry about that. You know, why is it only for Twitter blue? Well, because it's a business because it's a publicly traded company that has struggled to make money and doesn't have many revenue streams other than selling ads and probably could be selling ads a lot more and a lot better than they've been doing, but they'd like to make some money. Sorry, I mean, it's a business. And by the way, this thing is $3 a month. I mean, it's nothing. You know, I'm hearing complaints about, oh, not everyone could do it. It's like, that's pretty cheap. I mean, you're spending probably $5 a day on coffee. It's $3 a month. If anything, if you're a Twitter shareholder, you're probably still unhappy because you're like, why are they only charging $3 a month for this thing? Right. Charge more. And so I'm not surprised that at first it's only for Twitter blue. I'm sure eventually they'll roll it out to all users. But keep in mind, 
this wonderful service that a lot of us love so much has been free for its entire existence. I mean, I've never spent a penny on Twitter before. So if I want to try the NFT feature, sure, I'll sign up for Blue. You know, I mean, maybe this will be the compelling thing that gets some crypto people to pay for Blue. So in some ways, it might be very smart. But I do think regardless of, you know, what you think of the offering of Blue, this subscription package, I think that launching this feature is very, very, very big for NFTs, specifically for one big reason. All the people currently who think NFTs are stupid, the whole thing is dumb, it's dumb money, you know, and I sort of blame Bored Apes for that, especially because I don't disagree at all with the people who look at it and they're like, it's a cartoon ape and you're telling right. me it's $100,000 in, in value? Like, come on. Oh, I wish I can get one for 100 k <laughs> Right, right. Whatever <laughs> stupid amount it is now. So I don't blame those people, but when they say, oh, I just right clicked and saved it. And you try and say, okay, you can, you can screenshot it, but you don't own it. Only I own it. This actually demonstrates that in practice. You literally can't make it your profile picture. Only I can, because I plug into the blockchain and I prove that I own it. I think this kind of will automatically, if it catches on, educate the people who just say, it's all stupid. It's all stupid. I right clicked and saved it. I 100% agree. I did. I want to go back to what you said about blue costing $3 a month. I was about to bring that up until you did. But one thing, Gary V, we we're just talking about Vader Media offline here um, for different reasons. But Gary V has been like the biggest vocal supporter of free social media and people complaining about free social media. He has always said, this is the power to reach 2 billion people when it comes to Facebook. This is the power to reach 350 million people when it comes to Twitter. And it's free. It's right there. You can use it. You can engage with it. So so what if you see an ad? So what if you have to pay for analytics? So what if you have to pay for media? So what if you have to pay for their premium package? $3 to reach that amount of people has never been done in the history of the world. And if you want to go back to like 1980 or 1970, where you had to run ads in the local newspaper, and it costs you way more than that for not even the reach and not even the engagement and not even feedback, you are absolutely crazy that these companies are free and you are complaining about these services that they're trying to roll out for $3 a month. And I, I, I 100% agree with them because you've seen people go on Insta, go on to TikTok, go on to Twitter and make personal brands and money and businesses off of a free a free platform that connects right. you with everybody. And so I think that is key. When it comes to this NFT thing, I want to know what you were on a, a Twitter spaces yesterday uh, listening in, and there's a lot of pushback from people. What are some of the biggest criticisms of this NFT Twitter profile rollout? So, yeah, that was really interesting and it got very heated. And interestingly, it was hosted by Steve Aoki's crypto community manager. So this is someone who you know obviously uses a pseudonym and they're a crypto anon, but they are very, very clued into the community. And the biggest complaint that these folks had was actually with the ad that Twitter put out. So mm. if people notice, you know, Thursday was the big announcement of this feature has gone live, but they did it with a pretty slick little ad. It was like a 30 second video and it showed people looking at NFTs on their phones and it flashed some of the most recognizable NFTs. And the idea of this Twitter spaces was they are using us, the NFT community, to sell their product, you know, Twitter Blue subscriptions. Mm. Here, here was the name of the spaces, Matthew. It says, I know, it's almost like, I thought it was a little laughable too, and we can get into why. But the name of this was the aggressive name of the Twitter spaces. Did Twitter just use us to sell a feature without prioritizing our needs? And the tenor and tone of the conversation was like, Oh, they like us now for an ad, but they didn't pay us to be in the ad and they didn't consult us and they're not listening to us. They're just trying to sell their product. I, and, I agree um, with Justin, that. 
that they did that or I, I, I know I agree that they're upset about that. I mean, look, if, if yeah. it, we just talked about verifying NFTs, if they used NFTs in their ad that was owned by other people and you're actually buying the rights to this Very NFT. Interesting. I, 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 th I think that either the, uh, the IP of the NFT has to be clarified and mm -hmm. what is an NFT? And that's like screenshotting somebody's logo. Like I have no relationship with Tesla, but imagine me making a, a, an ad with Tesla's logo in there. They'll, they'll sue me automatically. See, this is going to be the next big battleground with NFTs is IP and protecting copyright use. And some of the bigger collections, of course, have already cut deals with Hollywood agents and representation for this exact reason. You're going to see licensing deals where some ketchup brand wants to use on its bottle a specific board ape, and they have to track down the person who owns it and pay them a licensing fee. Although, of course, you know, you might ask if you don't want to go through all those hoops, why don't they just not use an ape? But we already saw, you know, Arizona Ice-T used a board ape and they got in trouble not for using the ape, but for using the board ape yacht club logo. You know, they owned the ape, but you can't just use the logo of the collection. So you're right. But that part of it wasn't, you know, the, the main complaint. And it wasn't what was interesting to me. The main complaint seemed to be that you've launched this feature and it's just a way to pump your Twitter blue subscriptions and some people complaining that they're charging for Twitter blue at all. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know how I feel about that. I mean, as I was just saying, it's a business. Sorry, folks, they need to make some money here and there. And it's pretty cheap. And, uh, you know, our, our former colleague, Will Gotsagen, who's now at Coindesk, he and I were texting about this. And I thought he put it really well. He said, these are the same people who presumably have spent a bunch of money on NFTs. So they've gotten crypto rich and they have the money to spend on NFTs, but they won't pay $3 a month to show off their NFT profile picture. <laughs> it's like... Right. One year per subscription is just the gas to send that NFT or mint that NFT uh, on Ethereum. Right. And but I, I think that this is a very interesting conversation. And I, I just want to just know, go back to the licensing of these NFTs. I can understand if they most people do not get as upset if you just pay them. And there's a coordinated effort to say, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I mean, once you once people feel like they're taken advantage of or, or used or underpaid uh, for the upside and they understand, I mean, you see that the upside for Twitter is way greater than somebody saying, Hey, that's my ape in their, in their ad, you know, like nobody's going to, it's like prove it, you know, but that's the whole point of NFTs. And I think that not getting that part of the ethos is right. Everything else I think is just them being um, complainers about, you know, people trying to embrace this tech, which is absolutely what everybody's been asking for until they do it. And I think that's just an interesting, um, I guess, thread of weird criticisms through a different industries right now that's trying to embrace this market we saw it in the gaming industry we see it in twitter we see it in walmart yeah. is is trying to go meta now you know so they can have their indoor outdoor furniture in the virtual space which is absolutely silly in my opinion but it's happening but well, it, but right when they do it everybody's just like oh my god i can't believe you're doing this well this is exactly what you asked for yeah and also you know this is yet another fascinating push and pull in the crypto industry don't you want it to go mainstream? Don't you want to onboard newcomers and have it be, you know, have more friendly on ramps? So a lot of these people, they say, you know, they they push crypto and they say, you know, they don't get it. NGMI not going to make it. You know, they won't get it until they get crypto. But then they don't like or don't want certain moments that could potentially bring newcomers into the space. So I think there are some people in crypto who they don't want everyone to flood in. They like that it's only them and that they're they're in early and that it's their niche. But then there are other people who, well, if you really think it's the future of payments, online rails, document storage, all these things, well, then 
everybody pile in. You should want everybody, you know, onto the wagon, all the different companies, corporations, brands, investors, hedge fund people, mainstream people, doubters, skeptics, bring them all in. So there is, there's some push and pull there. I mean, I think if this Twitter feature means that even 10,000 people, you know, decide that NFTs are cool who previously didn't think so, well, net positive, right? 10,000 more people are in the NFT space who previously weren't. So I, I think the NFT community should be really pumped about this Twitter feature. I, I just want to just tell a tweet that uh, Zero X Function um, just tweeted. He said, imagine Twitter rugs everyone who connected their wallet. Laugh my ass off. I think that would be wow. hilarious, not, but it would be interesting. Um, and so I am hypocritical with this. And I want everybody to know because I, I know I do hear my hypocrisy sometimes we're asking for everybody to jump in the space and go mainstream and i think that it's kind of weird that people would push back on crypto or these companies coming in to make it go mainstream at the same time the listeners have heard me say look at all these rich celebrities coming into the space and buying everything up and i, I saw it with podcasts it was just a dude in a microphone you know just nobody making a podcast they became you know famous because of their podcast look at joe rogan now but then you have every celebrity having a podcast every comedian have a podcast every commentator having a podcast now and, and it's almost like they flooded the market from the you know legacy media and you know uh, celebrity names and you know whatever and we're seeing the same thing happen with nfts in the crypto space and i think that that is kind of it pisses me off to be honest with you but Mm. The hypocrisy is I want mainstream, but I also don't want y'all there. So it's like that is definitely hypocrisy. Go, moving off this subject really quick. Did you wa watch the and this is a totally 180 because I don't have a transition for this. But did you watch the um, uh, energy committee yesterday about Bitcoin mining and proof of work? Uh, did you hear anything about it? Did you watch it? And if you did, do you, do you have any thoughts on what happened yesterday? Yeah, I mostly followed along the tweets from people who were watching it live. And I think what was interesting, and it just shows that, you know, sometimes these things can actually be valuable. Sometimes they are exactly what you think, which is not valuable. I mostly saw people saying, gosh, the, the Senate hearings back in December were, were so much better. I mean, in December, we had two big hearings, right? We had crypto CEOs testifying uh, before Congress, and then we had a Senate hearing on stable coins. And I remember that the reaction to those two things from the crypto community was, kind of pleasantly surprised, like, wow, you know, and, and uh, recently on our new GM podcast, you know, our new Decrypt podcast, we had Sam Bankman-Fried and we asked him about being one of those CEOs who testified about crypto before Congress. And he said that he was really impressed. He said mostly uh, that it seemed to him like it was people who came, the lawmakers, the politicians came with questions that would help them learn more rather mm -hmm. than what you'd expect, which is they came with their hot take and their diatribe or, or screed that they were going to say, and right. it was their turn. They just said it. You know, some people did that, but for the most part, he was saying he was really pleasantly surprised and that he thought, you know, there was an openness, there was a willingness to listen. So fast forward to yesterday and most of the tweets I saw were like, here we go again, blockchain without Bitcoin and trying to explain that Bitcoin is killing the rainforest, which we knew we'd hear some of. And I, I think this is going to continue to be a problem, the environmental concerns and the energy impact. And above all else, some of the tweets and some of the sound bites that it looked like we heard are just a reminder that the biggest names in crypto cannot just continue to respond to the environmental critics by being like, you're stupid and wrong. And what about Christmas tree lights? Those use a lot of energy. You don't care about those. 
you're going to have to change the script and you're going to have to actually come up with what are your most compelling data points to tout. And everyone needs to get on the same page and get organized because you all need to have the same response when you're doing media hits or when you're testifying or whatever it is to people who say, Bitcoin's killing the environment. You say, I understand and you're actually wrong and here's why. Or, yep, Bitcoin uses a lot of energy, but so do these other major industries and no one seems to mind anymore. And only Bitcoin uses a lot of energy. Please don't lump in Bitcoin with all these other cryptocurrencies that are mined differently. But everyone's got to get together. And our colleague Jeff Roberts has written a column about this a few months ago about how the crypto lobbying groups don't talk to each other. And instead, they seem to compete with each other. And they're not helping anyone. Mm. I mean, get on mm. the same page and figure out what your narrative is. Yeah, very good point. My, my takeaway from yesterday was, first of all, um, Brian Brooks, um, the mm. uh, CEO of Bitfury, uh, the yep. uh, the old office of the comptroller of the, of the currency, he absolutely nails it every time. I think he's yes. an absolute star. He's so well spoken. Good he, advocate for the industry. Reasonable, I mean, smart, and he's calm. He 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 respects everybody's questions, no matter how outlandish it could be or how he's just absolutely phenomenal on this stage. And I'm really happy he's there. Um, the one thing I want to point out about this whole conversation and yesterday, and I thought it was very constructive as well. Um, I think that there was a lot of you know people that were. Uh, you know, deep in the space or, or Bitcoin advocates that were just they don't like any questions about anything else that's not, you know, positive for Bitcoin. But I just right. thought that it was always a little bit arbitrary because it, it, like I think you mentioned this or alluded to it a little bit ago is is like, OK, Bitcoin is using 140 terawatt hours of uh, electricity a year. But what is good enough? Is it 70 terawatt hours? Is that going to be acceptable mm. to everybody? Is it going if it's going to be uh, 40 terawatt hours? The video gaming industry, the gaming industry uses 70 terawatt hours a year. So if we half it, is it going to be OK to everybody? Where is the limit of we care about this or now we accept this? And I, I juxtapose that to the article that uh, Decrypt put out, I think it was two days ago, about Intel. Uh, making a now energy efficient ASICs chip that they're going to release in in February. Now, if that half halves the uh, energy consumption, or even even goes better yep. than that, just uses twenty percent of the energy. Now, is Bitcoin okay? And nobody's asking, what if we use the renewables? What if we make it more efficient? What if we is or is it just we don't like this whole industry because of what it is? Yeah, I mean, exactly right. I think there's some people who it's not really about the energy use. The energy use is the sword that they have discovered to wield against crypto, which they think is mm -hmm. a Ponzi scheme, fraudulent, you know, in some way exploitative. There are people who just, they don't want to hear it. You know, I, I wrote about this in a column a couple of weeks ago using the Matt Damon ad as, as the peg, but there are people who they, there's no amount of time Bitcoin could survive for them to finally change your mind. I mean, I wrote, it's been 13 years. And still, they think that this is a scam and a Ponzi scheme. When the price goes up big, they say, see, see, it's a scam. It's all about buying. And then when the price crashes, they point and they say, see, see, it's too volatile and it's a scam and it's a fraud. Either way, it fits their narrative. So some of those people, you're never going to convert. But that's a really good point about the Intel chip. I mean, what if something actually changes? I mean, that's why we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for ETH2, which they say is going to move to proof of stake and it'll use much less energy. Well, hurry up. And when it finally comes, if we if if data can be presented saying here's the number two largest cryptocurrency by market cap, and it now uses 70% less energy than it did before, well, there you go. Then they should shout that trumpet it from the rooftops for all the people to hear. <laughs> but Bitcoin shows no sign of, of wanting to use less energy. 
I, I 100% agree. And I, and I think that that's my frustration is there's no, it's just an arbitrary argument without any clear definition or kind of direction of what we're actually talking about. And what is the point of, we think that this is too much. Everything uses energy, but what is too much? And is it just the industry or not? And you're right. They found a sword that they can wield and they're going to just start swi- swiping and stabbing and whacking away with it as much as they absolutely can. Uh, Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts, thanks for doing this uh, year in review. Not year in review. This is a week in review. Man, it's a long <laughs> it week. Fe- it feels like the last week was a year. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Until tomorrow in our weekend update, happy hodling. I don't know if I should say happy hodling when we're down like 11% across the board on average. Until tomorrow, hodling everyone.